This podcast is the property of the Half-Blood Princesses. I'm Demi. I'm Jess. The story will begin in a flourish. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 4 of the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. We're so excited to be back with you again. Yes, we are, and if you do not follow us on social media, you can do that by following us on Twitter and Instagram at HBPrincessesPod, and find us on Facebook and YouTube, The half Foot Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. If you like our podcast, feel free to give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 412-228-5435. Speaking of social media, Demi has a special shout-out she'd like to give to one of our listeners. Very special shout out to Abby from Missouri. Thank you so much for listening to us and loving our podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Now just tell everybody our topic for episode four. Our topic is Dobby. This is our first character episode on the Half-Blood Princesses and we couldn't be more excited. Speaking of which, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Maddie. Say hello to the people, Maddie. Hello, witches and wizards, squibs and muggles. I am Maddie. My house is Hufflepuff. My wand is willow, 10 inches, with a unicorn hair core. My patronus is a panther. My favorite class is care for magical creatures. My favorite character is Dobby, which is why I am so happy to be guesting on this episode. And my favorite book is Deathly Hallows. Thank you so much, Maddie, for introducing yourself. She will be back with us for our Tales of Magic and Mischief segment. But now, let's get into the quote. It's time for Quick Quotes Corner. The quote for Dobby comes from Chapter 23 of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, called Malfoy Manor. Dobby has no master, squealed the elf. Dobby is a free elf, and Dobby has come to save Harry Potter and his friends. In this chapter of Deathly Hallows, Dobby comes to rescue the Golden Trio along with Luna, Dean, Ollivander, and Griphook from Malfoy Manor. Dobby says this quote in response to Bellatrix, who asks, How dare you defy your masters? This quote is significant because Dobby, the house elf, born to enslavement and sworn to total loyalty to a wizarding family, is defying them in order to help someone else, Harry Potter. In Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Harry freed Dobby from the Malfoys. Although Dobby can now make his own decisions and doesn't necessarily have to follow a master's orders, it is in his nature to serve others, especially those whom he idolizes. At times, Dobby may feel like he owes Harry for his generous favor in freeing him, but at the end of the day, Harry truly is Dobby's first friend. Dobby is confident and loyal and protective of his friends. After being trodden on by the Malfoys for so many years, Dobby is very courageous. He stands up to them and helps his friends. More than that, Dobby is a true Gryffindor because he put himself in danger for the people he cares about. This is one of my favorite quotes by Dobby because I think it really shows how he completely steps away from house elf stereotypes. He is standing up to his masters and being loyal to Harry, and we also see throughout the books how he likes to wear clothes and he likes paid work, which is frowned upon by the other house elves, especially in Goblet of Fire. This makes me think of Rudolph and the Red-Nosed Reindeer when all the elves are in the workshop and Hermie says that he doesn't like to make toys and all the other elves are like, Hermie doesn't like to make toys, Hermie doesn't like to make toys. <laughs> and I just imagine like the other elves being like, Dobby likes to wear clothes, Dobby likes to wear clothes. And he's totally not accepted. And 
I think this is very inspiring for younger kids reading the books because Dobby is somebody who goes after who he wants to be and doesn't let anybody stop him. And the whole theme surrounding him is you do you and don't let anybody stop you. And I think that's really powerful because sometimes we can get caught up in who we are supposed to be and what other people think we should be. And Dobby represents that. You can go beyond that. He also is a beacon of hope for the other house elves because their lives can improve and if they try hard, they will. Yeah, that's a good point. And being a house elf, you're kind of seen as inferior in the wizarding world. You're treated as a slave. And Dobby is that figure of hope, like you said, because he's able to make a stance like, I'm not doing this and this isn't right. So I cannot wait to talk more about Dobby. And I think right now he's bringing us our fun facts in his pillowcase. Oh wait, it's just Polly flying in. Hey, it's Polly or Owl. She's flying in with the fun facts. Hey everybody, it's time for fun facts. Before we talk about Dobby himself, I'd like to give you all some general information about house elves. House elves are derived from the creatures called brownies or hobs. According to folklore, hobs are found in the north or midlands of England, but especially on the Anglo-Scottish border. These small mythological spirits inhabit the insides of houses or outdoors. They work in farmyards and can be helpful, but if you offend one, they can be nuisances. Most hobs will leave forever if you give them a set of new clothes, but it could be impossible to get rid of the worst hobs. In the Harry Potter universe, house elves are small humanoid magical beings who inhabit large houses belonging to old wealthy wizarding families and are bound to the families that live there. They follow their master's commands and do menial tasks for the family until they die. House elves are silent and keep the family secrets. They also uphold the family's honor and don't speak ill of them. Most house elves are very happy and are proud that they serve faithfully. House elves are short creatures with large bat-like ears and enormous eyes. It is hard to tell the difference between male and female house elves, although the females often have higher squeakier voices. House elves don't wear clothing. They cover themselves in towels, tea cozies, or pillowcases. If their master presents them with a piece of clothing, it breaks the enslavement and the house elf is free. For most, this is the ultimate insult, and they are shamed forever. House elves also feel insulted if their master attempts to pay them or give them anything except kindness. Thanks to Helga Hufflepuff, a hundred house elves work at Hogwarts, which is the largest number in any dwelling in Britain. House elves make meals, lay the fires, do the laundry, light the lamps, and do other tasks. Nearly Headless Nick says that the mark of a good house elf is that you don't know it's there. This is why the trio don't know house elves are at Hogwarts until their fourth year. It's important for wizards to know if their house elf is really loyal to them or not, because these creatures hear and see things, and can collect information and eventually use it against their masters. The better the elf is treated, the more likely it will be that they won't dislike or betray their master. House elves also have very powerful magic that requires none of the types of focusing tools like wands or words that wizard magic requires. They can also disapparate and apparate at will in places like Hogwarts that normal wizards can't. Sadly, as long as they're enslaved, house elves aren't likely to be using this magic for anything but their mundane work. 
Also, while house elves do have to obey their master's orders, they can disobey or find loopholes in those orders. For example, when Sirius told Creature to get out, he meant to leave the kitchen, but Creature interpreted it as a way to leave Number 12 Grimwell Place and go to Sirius's cousins, Narcissa Malfoy and Bellatrix Lestrange. When elves do disobey orders or use magic when they are not supposed to, they must punish themselves. The guidelines on house elf welfare were a set of regulations passed by the British Ministry of Magic regarding the treatment of house elves. Unfortunately, these guidelines were not enforced by the Ministry at the time of the Harry Potter series, which allowed families like the Malfoys and the Blacks to mistreat their elves. This led wizards like Dumbledore and Hermione to work to personally improve the lives of these creatures. Dumbledore by employing the elves at Hogwarts, and Hermione by forming SPEW, or the Society for the Promotion of Elfish Welfare. Now that you know a little bit more about house elves, let's talk about Dobby. Dobby is a male house elf, most notably known for helping Harry Potter. He was born on June 28th and died in March of 1998. A Dobby is a part of a loom that allows geometric textures to be woven into a piece of fabric. It can also refer to the fabric itself. Dobby is also used in parts of Yorkshire and Lancashire to mean a brownie, which is a benevolent goblin or elf. Our Dobby has huge green tennis ball sized eyes and a long thin nose like a pencil. Like all house elves, Dobby is short and comes up to Harry's navel. Dobby speaks about himself in third person and also mixes up his verb tenses. For years, Dobby was indentured to the Malfoy family. He wore an old pillowcase with rips for arm and leg holes. In Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Harry freed Dobby by tricking Mr. Malfoy into giving Dobby a sock. Afterwards, Dobby worked at Hogwarts and received payment for his work. According to Chapter 11 of Goblet of Fire, Dobby had an interesting uniform while working at Hogwarts. He wore a tea cozy for a hat, on which he had pinned a number of bright badges, a tie patterned with horseshoes over a bare chest, a pair of what looked like children's soccer shorts, and odd socks. One was the black one Harry had removed from his own foot. The other was covered in pink and orange stripes. Dobby uses his earnings to buy wool and knit socks. Dobby's sock collection at the end of the books includes the black slimy one Harry gave him, a mustard yellow pair from Harry, a violet pair from Ron, Socks Harry purchased for him in Hogsmeade, including a pair patterned with flashing gold and silver stars, and another that screamed loudly when they became too smelly, and socks Hermione made and left for the house elves. Throughout the rest of his life, Dobby continued to help Harry. In March of 1998, Dobby rescued Harry, Ron, Hermione, Luna, Dean, Ollivander, and Griphook from Malfoy Manor. While they were disapparating, Bellatrix Lestrange threw her silver knife at Dobby, which mortally wounded him. Dobby died a hero shortly after they arrived at Shell Cottage. Dobby's gravestone says, Here lies Dobby, a free elf. Dobby appears in two Harry Potter films, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. He is voiced by Toby Jones. Also, because her sister Dee loves the character Dobby, J.K. Rowling gave him the same birthday as hers. Now that we've learned a little bit about house elves in general and Dobby himself, it's time to dive into tales of magic and mischief. Now, it's time to dive into the book topic of the week for tales of magic and mischief. 
All right, it's time to talk about everyone's favorite house elf, the man of the hour, the elf of the hour, Dobby! So we first meet Dobby in chapter two of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which is called Dobby's Warning. Uncle Vernon is trying to make a huge business deal, and so he's having a dinner party. As such, Harry's locked in his bedroom. Not fair. When he opens the door to his room, he sees Dobby sitting on his bed and tries not to cry out. The little creature on the bed had large bat-like ears and bulging green eyes the size of tennis balls. Harry realizes that this was the creature who was staring at him out of the hedge that morning and listens as Dudley takes the coats from the masons. The creature slipped off the bed and bowed so low that the end of its long, thin nose touched the carpet. Harry noticed that it was wearing what looked like an old pillowcase, with rips for arm and leg holes. Harry says hello, and Dobby says, Harry Potter, said the creature, in a high-pitched voice Harry was sure would carry down the stairs. So long has Dobby wanted to meet you, sir. Such an honor it is. Thanking the elf, Harry sits down in his desk chair and asks who he is. Dobby, sir, just Dobby. Dobby the house elf, said the creature. What would your first impression of Dobby be? I just think he's adorable. When they were describing him, they they said he looked like an ugly doll. And I was just like, oh my god! (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of mean. I mean, he is kind of odd looking because his ears are so big. And so sometimes when I picture him, I feel like his ears are disproportionate to his body. (laughs) You know? Harry hasn't seen much of the Wizarding World yet because he's only really been a part of it for a year. So I feel like from his perspective, seeing Dobby on his bed, I'd be like what is this thing like first impression like there's a little thing sitting here it's got big ears big eyes and out of the blue he just comes i'd be just like totally confused i'd be a little confused maybe a little bit freaked out because you know it's a it's an odd looking creature and how the heck did he get in here you know because at this point harry doesn't know what he is so he's like how did you get in my room and why are you on my bed like that's kind of disconcerting yeah exactly So the two hear some background noise from downstairs, and Harry mentions that this isn't a good time. He wants to know why Dobby is there. Dobby says, Dobby has come to tell you, sir. It is difficult, sir. Dobby wonders where to begin. Obviously, Dobby is very nervous here because he idolizes Harry. What would you do if you met your idol? I'd probably pee my pants. (laughs) I'd probably cry or faint. I'd probably, I'd probably break down in tears and then pee and be like, I can't believe this is happening. When I met my idol, Julia Michaels, I literally cried. Aw. I would love to meet Julia Michaels. That'd be so cool. Love her. Also, at the same time, Harry doesn't know who he is, and he's like, why do you idolize me? Like, what did I do for you? So to make matters worse, Harry doesn't know a lot about house elves, and so by being polite to him and then asking him to sit down and pointing to the bed after this, it's almost a relief and an insult to the elf. To his horror, the elf burst into tears, very noisy tears. Sit down, he wailed. Never, never, ever. Harry hears the voices downstairs falter. Now he's worried and says he didn't mean to offend Dobby. Offend Dobby, choked the elf. Dobby has never been asked to sit down by a wizard, like an equal. Harry, trying to say shush and look comforting at the same time, ushered Dobby back onto the bed where he sat hiccoughing, looking like a large and very ugly doll. At last, he managed to control himself and sat with his great eyes fixed on Harry in an expression of watery adoration. This poor little elf. 
Never being asked to sit down. I bet his back hurts him all day because he can't sit down. I wonder if he even gets to lay down or even sleep, you know? Probably not. The math boys probably have him, like, polishing their shoes all night or something. And like you said, Maddie, they do describe him as an ugly doll. But at the same time, you know, he's got a long nose, wrinkled skin, kind of gangly looking. I wouldn't say he's ugly. I'd just say that it takes a little bit of time to get used to the way these creatures look. He'd be so ugly that he's cute. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. So now Harry tries to cheer Dobby up, saying that he couldn't have met many decent wizards. When Dobby shakes his head, he immediately leaps up and bangs his head on the window and shouts, Bad Dobby! Bad Dobby! Harry pulls Dobby back onto the bed and Hedwig wakes up, screeching and beating her wings against the cage. Dobby explains that he had to punish himself because he almost spoke ill of his family. It's such a form of abuse that he literally has to obey orders. And that one of his orders is that he has to physically punish himself if he disobeys an order. Also, I think it's really sad that it's almost impulsive. Like, he's drilled to do it. So he's like, oh, once I say something, bang, bang, bang. Like, it's almost, like, instinctive, which is really sad. Yeah, I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the series when, after he's freed, how he still has this impulse to punish himself. Because he was treated so badly for so long. I don't know what's worse. The master hitting and abusing him or him abusing himself. I think him abusing himself because it's like he's doing self-punishment to himself based on what the master is expecting of him. I agree. I think it's terrible. It's also interesting here how he picks different punishments to give himself, as we'll talk about later. At this point, if I was Harry, I'd feel super bad for this elf. And I'd also wonder why he's punishing himself. So this is where Harry learns that Dobby is bound to serve a wizarding family and that this family does not know Dobby is visiting Harry. As a result, Dobby will have to punish himself by shutting his ears in the oven door. How painful is that? What if the oven was at like 400 degrees? When I burn myself with a straightener, when I'm straightening my hair and I stand and close it on my ear, it hurts like hell. I couldn't imagine sticking my ears in the oven door. Yeah, and like for how long too? Five seconds, ten seconds until your ear disintegrates? I don't know. I mean, even if it was only for a few seconds, it still hurt like hell. I feel so bad. This is terrible. It really is. It gets worse. So Harry says, but won't they notice if you shut your ears in the oven door? Dobby doubts it, sir. Dobby is always having to punish himself for something, sir. They let Dobby get on with it, sir. Sometimes they remind me to do extra punishments. How terrible. At this point, I'd be wondering who Dobby's master is. Harry asks, why doesn't Dobby escape? And Dobby explains that he must be set free. And since that will never happen, he will be serving this family until he dies. Harry realizes that his situation with the Dursleys must be better than the elves and asks if he can help. Almost at once, Harry wished he hadn't spoken. Dobby dissolved again into wails of gratitude. Please, Harry whispered frantically, please be quiet. If the Dursleys hear anything, if they know you're here, Harry Potter asks if he can help Dobby. Dobby has heard of your greatness, sir, but of your goodness, Dobby never knew. The two go back and forth a little bit and talk about Harry's triumph against Voldemort mere weeks ago, and Dobby tears up. He says, 
But Dobby has come to protect Harry Potter, to warn him, even if he does have to shut his ears in the oven door later. Harry Potter must not go back to Hogwarts. Total Gryffindor and Hufflepuff moment right there. He's being brave and he's being selfless and he's doing what he knows is right and going against, you know, uh, his orders just to protect Harry. Yeah, that is really brave. Even if Harry doesn't know what this is about, at least Dobby came to warn him and Dobby risked a lot to come and warn him. Being a petulant child, Harry protests and says that he belongs at Hogwarts. Dobby retaliates, saying that if Harry does go back, he'll be in mortal danger and that there's a plot to make most terrible things happen at Hogwarts, and that he's known for months. When Harry pushes further, asking what terrible things and who's plotting them, Dobby makes a choking noise and proceeds to bang his head against the wall. Harry again stops him and asks why Dobby is warning him, and then says, Hang on, this hasn't got anything to do with vault." Sorry, with you-know-who has it. You could just shake or nod, he added hastily, as Dobby's head tilted worryingly close to the wall again. Dobby shakes his head and says no, but his eyes are wide. Harry's confused and says, he hasn't got a brother, has he? How dumb is this quote? This is so dumb. That's literally one of my favorite Harry Blonde moments. Like, he hasn't got a brother, has he? Like, no, he doesn't. and like if he had a brother he would have killed his brother like let's be real here (laughs) sorry for all the blondes listening didn't mean to offend but just saying (laughs) i mean harry doesn't have his head screwed on at this point (laughs) he's two sandwiches short of a picnic basket at this point oh my gosh dobby shakes his head but his eyes are wide harry says that he can't think of anyone else who would make horrible things happen at hogwarts besides dumbledore is there Dobby counters that, there are powers Dumbledore doesn't, powers no decent wizard. Then Dobby bounds off the bed, grabs Harry's desk lamp, and starts beating himself across the head and yelping. This poor elf. He probably has a migraine by now. So this disturbance causes Uncle Vernon to come upstairs. Harry has just enough time to shove Dobby into his closet before Uncle Vernon bursts in, saying, one more sound and you'll wish you'd never been born, boy. He stomps out of the room, and Harry, who's shaking, lets Dobby out of the closet. See what it's like here, he said? See why I've got to go back to Hogwarts? It's the only place I've got, well, I think I've got friends. Friends who don't even write to Harry Potter, said Dobby slyly. It's then revealed that Dobby has been intercepting Harry's letters and that he has them with him. Dobby pulls envelopes from out of his pillowcase. Harry could make out Hermione's neat writing, Ron's untidy scrawl, and even a scribble that looked as though it was from the Hogwarts gamekeeper, Hagrid. Dobby says he hoped that, if Harry Potter thought his friends had forgotten him, Harry Potter might not want to go back to school, sir. Dobby also tells Harry that Harry can only have the letters back if he says he will not go back to Hogwarts. This is kind of a cruel little game he's playing here. Who does he think he is intercepting Harry's mail? That's a little bit of a breach of privacy. Dobby didn't come to play. Well, he thinks he's doing what's best. Yeah, he definitely does. And I think that's where it's like he's an elf and his brain probably works a little differently. So this is the only way that he can think of to stop Harry from going back to school. Yeah, but it's literal blackmail. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, in Harry's point of view, 
he's like, how dare this guy break into my room, steal my mail, and tell me what I can and can't do. Like, as a kid, that's the way you would think, but as an adult, you're like, well, I can kind of see both sides of the equation. Like, he's trying to help me, but he's not helping me by taking my letters. And that's kind of what we see throughout the rest of the book and the ways Dobby, quote-unquote, helps him. So, when Harry refuses to do this, Dobby says, Then Harry Potter gives Dobby no choice, said the elf sadly. Harry chases Dobby out of the bedroom, down the stairs, and to the kitchen, and this is what he sees. Aunt Petunia's pudding is floating in midair, and Dobby basically tells him to say that he won't go back to Hogwarts, and when Harry refuses, Dobby drops the pudding. I just want to say that it's super clever that Dobby used a hover charm, because when Harry is blamed next by the ministry for using this magic, it's totally believable that Harry could have done the hover charm because he learned that in his first year at Hogwarts. So that's pretty smart on the elf's behalf. But obviously no one knows that Dobby did it because Dobby's sneaky and he vanishes after this. Also, because the owl came from the ministry and told them that Harry's not allowed to use magic outside of school and if he does, he could be expelled, that's when the Dursleys realize that Harry can't use magic over the summer, so he no longer has that over their heads, which kind of stinks. And then Harry gets locked up by the Dursleys because, well, they suck. And then he gets rescued by Ron and the twins. In Chapter 10, which is called The Rogue Bludger, Harry wakes up in the hospital wing after a Gryffindor versus Slytherin Quidditch match. In the match, a rogue bludger was targeting Harry. Luckily, Harry was able to capture the snitch and win the game, but the bludger did break his arm and Harry fell off his broom. When he wakes up in the middle of the night, he realizes that someone is sponging his forehead in the dark. Harry tells whoever it is to get off and then realizes that it is Dobby. The house elf's goggling tennis ball eyes were peering at Harry through the darkness. A single tear was running down his long pointed nose. Harry Potter came back to school, he whispered miserably. Dobby warned and warned Harry Potter. Ah, sir, why didn't you heed Dobby? Why didn't Harry Potter go back home when he missed the train? There's a bombshell here. <laughs> Dobby knows he misses the train. How would he know that unless he was involved? <laughs> exactly. So Dobby reveals that he stopped the barrier from letting Harry and Ron through. He actually hid and watched for them and then sealed the gateway. Can we talk about his magical ability to be able to do that? Yeah, that's really cool that he is able to perform such powerful magic. I mean, that shows that he's more powerful than witches and wizards. Exactly. Yeah, and he doesn't have to use a wand to do it. No. Yeah, I found that super cool. Like, I'd be annoyed that, you know, I was forced to go to school and fall into the Whomping Willow and break Ron's dad's car. But at the same time, how cool is that magic? That's super impressive. I mean, house elves are so powerful that if they wanted, like, maybe they could take over wizarding kind. Dobby for president. We'll just write his name on the 2020 ballots. (laughs) 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 Okay, so, but this part is sad. So Dobby says, Dobby had to iron his hands afterwards. He showed Harry ten long bandaged fingers. But Dobby didn't care, sir, for he thought Harry Potter was safe And never did Dobby dream that Harry Potter would get to school another way. That's a horrible, horrible punishment. I was just thinking about this earlier. Like, how do you iron both of your hands, right? If you iron your one hand and you're holding the iron with your other hand, by the time your one hand has been ironed, you have to use the injured hand to iron your other hand. 
or does someone else do it for you? That's terrible. And he's the one who's injured. He probably hurts more than Harry because I bet there's more bones in his hands than in Harry's arm. But yet he's sitting here sponging off Harry. <laughs> See, he's just so sweet. And the fact that he doesn't care just shows like how truly brave he is. And his loyalty and just, I wish people were actually like that. Like more people were like that in the world. Exactly. It's just so sad. He also says that he was shocked when he heard and he let his master's dinner burn and he got a flogging. Harry says that Dobby nearly got him and Ron expelled. You better get lost before my bones come back, Dobby, or I might strangle you. He's so mean. But then again, I'd be angry too. I mean, my arm was just melted away by a dumb professor. Poor Dobby. He smiles and he tells Harry that he's used to death threats since he gets them five times a day. He blows his nose on the corner of his pillowcase and Harry asks Dobby why he wears that thing, meaning the pillowcase. Dobby says that the pillowcase is a mark of his enslavement. He can only be freed if his master gives him clothes. The family is careful not to pass Dobby even a sock, sir, for then he would be free to leave their house forever. Dobby mops his eyes and says again that Harry must go home. It's revealed here that he sent the bludger after Harry. Harry says, you made that bludger try and kill me? And Dobby assures Harry that he didn't want to kill him, he wants to save his life, so in order to do that, he has to send him home injured. And Harry's angry at this point, and basically he says, so I don't suppose you'll tell me why this is going on. Dobby cries and says, if only Harry knew. Dobby basically says that Harry means a lot to his kind, because when he who must not be named was in power, they treated them like vermin, although Dobby is still being treated like vermin. He says, but now that Harry Potter triumphed over Voldemort, his kind's treatment has improved. Harry shows like a beacon of hope for the house elves who thought that the dark days would never end. And now at Hogwarts, terrible things are to happen, are perhaps happening already, and Dobby cannot let Harry Potter stay here now that history is to repeat itself, now that the Chamber of Secrets is open once more. Dobby punishes himself using Harry's water jug, and Harry stops him. Harry keeps asking him what's going on and who opened it and all that, but Dobby says he can't tell him, and he keeps pleading with Harry to go home, but Harry's like, no, I'm not going to go home because I have a friend who's muggle-born, and she's probably first in line when the chamber opens. This is almost like when there's two really brave people and two very determined people, like a fight ends up going nowhere because no one's going to back down. And Dobby's so brave and telling Harry to go home, but Harry's like, I'm not leaving Hermione. So it just shows that they're kind of on the same level of that bravery. This is true. And Dobby recognized this because he basically talks about how Harry risks his life for his friends. And he's really happy about it. He says that Harry's noble and valiant. And they keep going back and forth until they hear footsteps coming down the corridor, which is when Dobby says he has to go and he disapparates. So the last time we see Dobby in Chamber is in Chapter 18, which is called Dobby's Reward. Harry, Ron, Ginny, Lockhart, McGonagall, and Dumbledore, along with Mr. and Mrs. Weasley, are gathered in Professor McGonagall's office after the whole thing happens in the Chamber of Secrets. They have a conversation, and then all of a sudden, Mr. Malfoy storms in, and he is not happy at all. And cowering behind his legs, heavily wrapped in bandages, was Dobby. So Mr. Malfoy must have figured out what happened because poor Dobby is injured again. 
I'm just picturing this. He probably looks like a sad little mummy. Yeah. Mr. Malfoy is so angry that when he comes in, he almost knocks Harry over. Dobby comes in after him and is crouching at the hem of Malfoy's cloak, polishing his shoes. Why does he have to polish his shoes? I don't know. Like, who's looking at his shoes? Like, his cloak and his robes are so long that you're not looking at anyone's shoes. Like, it's think just so about unnecessary. It. Yeah, it's unnecessary. And, like, when you think about his sleek hair not being done, does Dobby have to do that too? <laughs> oh my god. Rich people. Rich evil wizards. Yeah, and this is also the big reveal here, right? We don't know who Dobby's master is, but all of a sudden you see Lucius Malfoy and it makes sense. You're like, oop, ex-Death Eater coming through. I want a house elf just so I can dress him up in little clothes. <laughs> okay, so they have a little conversation, Malfoy and Dumbledore, and Dumbledore is basically saying that the governors basically begged him to come back because they heard that Arthur Weasley's daughter had been killed. Dumbledore also says that the governors told him that Mr. Malfoy threatened to curse their families if they didn't agree to suspend him in the first place. What a jerk. How does this not land him in Azkaban? Like, I don't understand how this has no punishment at all. I mean, (laughs) what I'm thinking is how it is with famous people. Like, when they go to court and stuff, they can just buy their way through it. He probably, just because of his name and because of how much money he has, they don't mess with him. Yeah, I get that. Oh, yeah. He, he scares me. I wouldn't cross that guy. Dumbledore tells him that the attacks have stopped and that Voldemort is the culprit. We learn that Voldemort was acting through somebody else by means of the diary. He shows Mr. Malfoy the diary and Dumbledore watches him closely, but Harry is more concerned about Dobby's reaction. His great eyes fixed meaningfully on Harry. He kept pointing at the diary, then at Mr. Malfoy, and then hitting himself hard on the head with his fist. When I first read this, I thought when Dobby hit his head, that was also part of the clue. You know, because he's like pointing and doing stuff and then he hits himself, but then you realize that he's just punishing himself. This is also my favorite part because Dumbledore lays it on thick, telling Malfoy that it was a clever plan because if Harry and Ron hadn't discovered the diary, Ginny would have taken all the blame, and no one could have proved that she did not do this of her own free will. They go back and forth about the diary, and then finally Harry gets Dobby's message and nods at Dobby, who backs into a corner and starts twisting his ears to punish himself. Harry basically tells Mr. Malfoy that he was the one who gave Ginny the diary because he slipped it into her transfiguration book. And Dumbledore advises Malfoy to not give out Voldemort's old school things. So Malfoy's angry and he leaves. He also kicks Dobby through the door, which is really mean. Harry feels bad for him and he asks Dumbledore if he can give the diary back to Mr. Malfoy. Dumbledore says yes and Harry runs after them. Quickly, wondering if this plan could possibly work, Harry took off one of his shoes, pulled off his slimy, filthy sock, and stuffed the diary into it. Harry catches up to them at the top of the stairs. He tells Mr. Malfoy he has something for him and forces the sock into his hand. What the? Mr. Malfoy ripped the sock off the diary, threw it aside, then looked furiously from the ruined book to Harry. He tells Harry that he'll meet the same end as his parents because they were also meddlesome fools. He turns to go and tells Dobby to come, but Dobby didn't move. He was holding up Harry's disgusting slimy sock and looking at it as though it were a priceless treasure. Master has given a sock, said the elf in wonderment. Master gave it to Dobby. What's that? spat Mr. Malfoy. 
What did you say? Got a sock, said Dobby in disbelief. Master threw it, and Dobby caught it, and Dobby, Dobby is free. Mr. Malfoy is not having a good day. He stands there, frozen, staring at Dobby before realization dawns and he lunges at Harry, telling him that he's lost him his servant. But Dobby shouted, You shall not harm Harry Potter! There was a loud bang, and Mr. Malfoy was thrown backward. He crashed down the stairs, three at a time, landing in a crumpled heap on the landing below. This is hysterical. This is so funny, because Dobby basically tells Mr. Malfoy that he's gonna go now, and Mr. Malfoy leaves. Go, Dobby. We stand. I love this scene because Mr. Malfoy just walked in to basically get served. Harry Potter freed Dobby, said the elf, Shirley, gazing up at Harry, moonlight from the nearest window reflected in his orb-like eyes. Harry Potter set Dobby free. Harry grins and says it's the least he could do and tells Dobby to promise to never save his life again. Before the two part ways, Harry also asks him what he meant by his clue because Dobby told him originally that it wasn't Voldemort, but Dobby is so clever because he tells Harry that in the diary, it was Tom Riddle and Tom Riddle can be freely named. How clever is that? Confusing, but very smart. <laughs> Hermione would have figured it out, not Harry. Oh yeah, I mean, that's why these books aren't narrated by Hermione. Goblet of Fire, Chapter 8, The Quidditch World Cup. Dobby is mentioned in this chapter because we see the Weasleys, Harry, and Hermione. They're up in the top box getting ready to watch the World Cup. And Harry notices a house elf sitting a row behind him, and he thinks this is Dobby. He calls out to the house elf only to find out that it's not Dobby. This turns out to be Winky, who happens to know Dobby. And through a conversation that they have, <laughs> Harry finds out that Dobby's been looking for work and was up at the regulation and control of magical creatures. And Winky says that he's like a common goblin and it's meant as an insult. So this is kind of funny. I love how persistent Dobby is because house elves getting paid for their work is like not how this goes, but he's still trying so hard, which is true perseverance. I just love him. Okay, so the first appearance we, that Dobby actually makes is in chapter 21, the House Elf Liberation Front. So Ron and Harry are about to enter Gryffindor common room when Hermione rushes up to them and she's brimming with excitement. She says to follow her quickly that she has found the best thing ever. She leads the boys back down to the ground floor and through a door that Harry saw Cedric go through the night both their names came out of the Goblet of Fire. She leads him to a portrait that's showing a silver bowl of fruit and she tickles the pear, which turns into a door. Can we talk about how cool this is? This is my favorite door in Hogwarts. It's hilarious. I just want to go to Hogwarts just to enter this room. This would be so cool. And big shout out to Helga Hufflepuff here because this is the entrance to the kitchen. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say shout out to Helga Hufflepuff and you just said it. Literally, it was two seconds away from saying that. So Hermione shoved Harry through the door and he just has a split second to notice that it's a high ceilinged room as large as the Great Hall above and heaped around the stone walls are brass pots and pans and at the far end is a brick fireplace. All of a sudden, Harry's hit by something crashing into him from the middle of the room. And this is Dobby. He's just overcome with excitement to see Harry. 
And I love how Dobby's described here. It's the cutest thing ever because they say that he looks almost like the last time. He looks almost exactly as he did the last time Harry saw him with the same pencil-like nose, bat-like ears, and long hands and feet. But the biggest difference here is that Dobby's no longer wearing his filthy pillowcase. He's wearing an odd assortment of clothes, which include a tea cozy he's wearing on top of his head with a number of shiny badges pinned to it, and a horseshoe patterned tie over a bare chest, a pair of children's soccer shorts, and he's also wearing two socks. One is the black sock that Harry tricked Mr. Malfoy into giving Dobby, which set him free. And then he's also wearing another sock that is pink and orange striped. This is just so funny how he's dressed. I mean, Dobby obviously has no fashion sense whatsoever. <laughs> totally mismatched. It's so funny. It's like a two-year-old dressed him. You know when you give kids Barbies and they don't know what to put on them? It's like that. You just gotta love Dobby. He tells Harry about how he's been traveling the country for two years looking for work and how he's gone to several different places, but they just slam the door in his face because they tell him the point of a house elf is not to get paid. So he then leads into talking about how him and Winky both were looking for work and he thought, where is there enough work for two house elves? And he thought about Hogwarts. So they come to talk to Dumbledore and this is just absolutely precious because originally Dumbledore offers Dobby 10 galleons a week and weekends off. But this is just totally overwhelming for Dobby. He only wants one galleon a week and one day off a month. And <laughs> he's just, he's just so precious. Can we just talk about here how generous Dumbledore is? Like that's a lot of money for a house elf who's used to having nothing at all. And yet Dobby is a good worker and he's willing to compromise and he's like no i don't think i'm ready for that much money yet i mean i'm just getting started so just pay me very little and just give me a couple days off and that's it and this shows a lot about dumbledore's character too because we know that he really supports muggleborns he accepts lupin by letting him teach at hogwarts and now he's paying dobby which house elves don't get paid so he's just really accepting of everybody in the wizarding community. I, lo I love this next part because it's a total classic just Dumbledore move. He also tells Dobby that there's no restraints. He is free to call him a barmy old codger if he would like. And Dobby is just like, what the heck? <laughs> so he's giving him the freedom to even insult him if he'd like. And Dobby's just like, no. That totally goes against everything Dobby was taught. I mean, he calls everybody master and sir, and here's Dumbledore. He's like, you can call me whatever you want. You're free now. And Dobby's just like, I don't think I'm ready for that. They're carrying on a conversation, talking about work. And Dobby says that he enjoys getting paid, but he enjoys work even more. He enjoys freedom, but he enjoys work even more. So that's why he doesn't want all this money and all this free time. And a little bit later, the conversation comes up about the Malfoys. And Harry, said, <laughs> Harry says, so you can say what you want now about the Malfoys. And Dobby's really hesitant. And he says, I can. And he admits to the Malfoys being dark wizards. But like y'all were talking about earlier, he's so used to punishing himself. He automatically begins beating himself up and banging his head on the table to punish himself for speaking out. Luckily, Harry grabs him and stops him from doing this. Poor Dobby. So the rest of the house elves... And, of course, Dobby, they offer to give the trio food to take back with them. They're just totally eager to please. 
and want them to take food and drink back with them. And Dobby asks Harry if he can come visit him in his dormitory sometime. This is just totally precious. So sweet. So that brings us to the end of that chapter. It's just interesting to see the transition from his quote-unquote enslavement to his new career because there's some things in house elves that are still ingrained into them, right? So Dobby is still conditioned to love work, but to love it for different reasons. He loves to help others, but in this circumstance, he's helping others that are kind and that are good people. So it makes work even better. Now he has more of a purpose, and now he has more freedom. Also, like we were saying before, he punishes himself all the time. That's so hard to break. When you're in an abusive relationship or going through abuse, it's really hard to wrap your head around the fact that you are not subject to that anymore. It's like PTSD. So chapter 23 is called The Yule Ball. This is funny because Harry's woken by someone standing over him again. <laughs> and this is Dobby. He freaks out and almost falls out of bed, of course, because he's like, who the heck is standing over me while I'm trying to sleep? Dobby's horrified and jumps back and he apologizes for frightening Harry. And I just love this because it's Christmas morning and Dobby's wearing a little bobble on top of his tea cozy. He's so festive. <laughs> he has come to give Harry a Christmas present. Just completely adorable. And this gift turns out to be socks that Dobby has knitted himself using wool that he has bought out of his own wages. One of the socks is green with a pattern of snitches and the other is red with a pattern of broomsticks. Harry decides that he needs to give Dobby something in return so he pulls out a pair of knobbly old socks that once belonged to Uncle Vernon and gives those to Dobby. And Dobby's just completely taken by surprise and just loves this. I love how Dobby gave Harry socks and made them himself. Like, I'm just picturing Dobby going into some shop in, like, Diagon Alley or Hogsmeade with money, like, buying yarn and stuff. And the wizard's being like, what's this elf doing buying stuff? And I just think that's so adorable and so cute and funny. I think it's even cuter how these socks don't match. It totally reflects Dobby's weird sense of dress, but I also think that at the same time, it's funny how they both have the Quidditch theme. Like, he really took the time to think of a good gift for Harry, and Harry's just sitting there like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think of you. I feel like such a bad person, and he gives Dobby the only thing he can think of, which is nice. At least he gives Dobby a present back. Dobby makes the comment that there must have been a mistake in the shop because they gave him two of the same socks. Which is funny, he doesn't realize that socks are supposed to come in pairs. Oh, that's hilarious. Ron overhears this and throws Dobby a pair of violet socks that he's received from his mom and a maroon sweater. Dobby's just in tears because he's overwhelmed with how kind this is. And this is really cool because Dobby then says now he has seven socks. Look at that. Here's the magical number seven again. I don't know if that was a coincidence, but knowing JK Rowling, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, and seven is also used for wizards. So now Dobby has basically achieved wizard status. Aside from not having a wand, he's basically almost a wizard. I mean, he wears clothes, he works, he does his job, just like any other person does. 
I love that. I didn't even think about that. So Dobby hurries off to help prepare Christmas dinner, which brings us into chapter 26, which is probably the most important chapter in this book. It is the second task. So Harry has fallen asleep in the library. He was hiding under his invisibility cloak doing research on how to breathe underwater. He's poked awake by Dobby, who tells him he has 10 minutes until the second task starts. Harry flips out and is like, I can't do this. I don't even know what the task is. I don't know how to breathe underwater. So Dobby tells him that he's done the work for him and that Harry must go and retrieve his wheezy back from the people. How adorable is this? His wheezy. It like took me a good five minutes to realize that he's talking about Ron Weasley because I'm picturing a wheezy like you know when you have allergies and you kind of wheeze that's what I'm picturing and I'm like who the heck is a wheezy like he's referring to it as a person I'm like what is going on also how precious is the fact that Dobby did Harry's work for him like honestly I just don't think I would deserve a Dobby because he's just so kind and so generous Harry finally realizes what he's talking about because Dobby says, you know, his wheezy that's been giving Dobby his sweater. So then he realizes he's talking about Ron and he freaks out. He's like, so they got Ron and Dobby hands Harry a ball of gillyweed and tells him he needs to eat it before he goes into the lake. And this gillyweed does not sound appetizing whatsoever. It's (laughs) described as a ball of greenish gray rat tails and says it looks slimy. So really gross. Definitely wouldn't want to be eating that. So Harry shoves the gillyweed in his pocket and runs off real quick to uh, the lake. And now we are brought to chapter 27, which is Padfoot Returns. We don't see Dobby in this chapter, but I mentioned it because Harry, Ron, and Hermione are in Hogsmeade and they go to Glad Rags Wizard where to buy Dobby socks as a gift to repay him for helping Harry in the second task. And a couple of the pairs they buy, one includes a pair that have flashing gold and silver stars and another pair screams when they get too smelly, which is funny because Dobby is always meticulous about taking care of his clothes. So that would never be a problem. I'm just sitting here wondering what it sounds like when they scream. Like, do they have rips in them with like mouths that open and they just start screaming? Would they like squeeze your feet and hurt your feet until you took them off? Your feet are smelly. That would be beneficial to Winky, but not to Dobby. Yeah, I don't like how sloppy Winky is with her clothes. It bothers me the entire series. Yeah, every time you see her, she has like butterbeer down her front and she's all dirty and yeah. But she's not like Dobby. She doesn't see freedom the same way he does. Yeah, that's true. Chapter 28 is The Madness of Mr. Crouch. This is the chapter where they actually give Dobby his socks and they go down to the kitchens and Dobby is just, again, so happy because he's not used to kindness and receiving gifts and so he's just overjoyed. They have another conversation with Winky and this really shows a lot about Dobby's character this next little part because Winky takes offense to Harry bringing up Crouch and calls him nosy for asking information automatically Dobby goes to his defense and says Harry is not nosy and not to call him that and Dobby is just I don't know he's just absolutely precious Winky then you know she's really emotional and Hermione's trying to console her and she calls attention to the fact that 
they are entitled, all health cells are entitled to wages and time off and clothes if they like and brings Dobby into it and says, look how happy freedom has made Dobby and this makes Dobby really uncomfortable because he knows that most house elves do not share the same opinion. So he asks Hermione not to bring them into it. And the house elves, of course, get offended and they end up throwing the trio out of the kitchens. So that brings us to the end of Goblet of Fire. I think it's really important here how even though the other house elves don't accept Dobby, he still stayed to work at the kitchens and did everything he could to be a good house elf for Dumbledore, kind to Harry and his friends, and he's not going to let any negativity stop him. He's one of the most positive characters throughout the whole series. Exactly. This is also the part in the series where you see Harry almost becoming Dobby's, like, pseudo-master. Like, Harry isn't really Dobby's master, but Dobby serves and treats him like that because Harry freed him. So Dobby is still trying to learn the distinction between Harry as a friend and Harry maybe as being his master. Like, he's still learning what that means. So this brings us to Order of the Phoenix. Harry is in the Gryffindor common room one night, trying and failing to finish a potions essay for Snape. He falls asleep sometime after midnight, and he's dreaming about the Department of Mysteries when he's woken by Dobby again. What is with Dobby waking him up in the middle of the night when he says, Harry Potter, sir? Dobby has your owl, sir, said a squeaky voice. Dobby the house elf was standing beside the table on which Hermione had left her half a dozen knitted hats. His large pointed ears were now sticking out from underneath what looked like all of the hats Hermione had ever knitted. He was wearing one on top of the other, so that his head seemed elongated by two or three feet. And on the very topmost bobble sat Hedwig, hooting serenely and obviously cured. As you probably remember, Hedwig was injured on a flight, and she was given to Professor Grubblyplank to cure her. And now that she's cured, Dobby volunteered to bring her back to Harry because he's the best, obviously. Harry then notices that Dobby is literally wearing everything Hermione ever knitted, the hats, the scarves, and the socks. And he asked him if he's been taking all of it. Dobby says that he's been giving some to Winky too, and Harry asks how Winky is. Winky is still drinking a lot of butterbeer, and she's not doing that great, and she doesn't like the clothes the way that Dobby does. And actually, all the house elves aren't really happy about the whole clothes thing, so none of them are cleaning Gryffindor Tower anymore. They refuse to do it, so Dobby has to clean it all by himself. But he doesn't mind, because he always hopes to see Harry. Can we just talk about how Dobby is so happy about being free? He loves clothes, he loves working, he loves seeing Harry, that he doesn't care that he has to do all of the cleaning in Gryffindor Tower all by himself. Yeah, I think it's also a matter of pride for the other house elves because they feel insulted if they're freed. And Dobby, on the other hand, doesn't find it an insult. He finds it a gift. So that's also why he's cleaning the common room. Plus, I mean, who doesn't want free hats and scarves and things? Like, keep you warm in the winter. <laughs> he's taking all the hats. <laughs> that's why it's so cute. I think it's funny that he's wearing all of them at once. Like, he must think that if he doesn't wear them all at once, he's gonna, like, lose them or something. Again, Dobby has a very interesting fashion statement. Dobby then notices that Harry isn't looking too happy. He looks sad, and Dobby notes that Harry was muttering in his sleep and asked him if he was having bad dreams. Harry said they weren't too bad, and he's had worse. 
Then Dobby shows his enormous heart. Dobby wishes he could help Harry Potter, for Harry Potter has set Dobby free, and Dobby is much, much happier now. Harry thanks Dobby and basically says that he can't help, but then the firelight illuminates the scars on the back of his hand from where he was forced to carve I must not tell lies into his skin from detention with Umbridge. And then Harry thinks that Dobby can help him. He asks Dobby if he knows of a place where 28 people can practice defense against the dark arts without being caught, especially by Umbridge. Harry doesn't have high hopes, but Dobby comes through. Dobby knows the perfect place, sir, he said happily. Dobby heard tell of it from the other house elves when he came to Hogwarts, sir. It is known by us as the come and go room, sir, or else as the room of requirement. I love how he calls him sir every two seconds, like he's so polite. <laughs> I also like the name of the come and go room. It sounds more mysterious than room of requirement. I agree. And it also talks more about the purpose of the room. You come, you get what you need, and you go. Yeah, and this goes into what Dobby says next when Harry asks him why this is the perfect room. This is what Dobby says. Because it is a room that a person can only enter, said Dobby seriously, when they have real need of it. Sometimes it is there, and sometimes it is not. But when it appears, it is always equipped for the seeker's needs. Dobby says that he's taken Winky there when she gets super drunk. The room offers antidotes to Butterbeer and also an outside bed for Winky to lie down so she can sleep it off. He's so caring. And just as love. I mean, he cares for her when she's sick. All right, we need a ship name. Is it Dinky or Wobby? <laughs> Wobby. Wobby. Dobby also tells Harry that not many people know the room, and they often will just stumble upon it when they're in need of it, but then they never find it again because they don't know the room is there waiting to be used. Harry agrees that this would be the perfect place. Dobby offers to show Harry the room right now, but Harry thinks that this isn't a good idea because it's so late. So he just asked Dobby to tell him how to get in. This is super important because the room of requirement is basically how the GA can practice. And also throughout the rest of the series, we see how important it is. Harry uses the room of requirement to hide his advanced potion making book, where also the lost item of Ravenclaw is in the room of hidden things. And there's a whole thing that happens in Half-Blood Prince with Draco, and also it's a refuge in Deathly Hallows for Neville and the others. A brief mention of Dobby comes during the last DA meeting before the holidays. When Harry goes into the room of requirement, he sees a hundred golden baubles hanging from the ceiling with Harry's face and saying, have a very hairy Christmas. This is so adorable. I just think that's so cute how he's decorated the room and how they have Harry's face on him. I mean, that just... It's just precious. I think it's funny because it can be interpreted two ways. It's like, have a hairy Christmas. It's like, what do you want me to grow a beard? But then it's also like, have a hairy Christmas as it's like, oh, Harry, have a good Christmas. So there's like two ways you can think about this. Also, I swear that this scene is the reason why people read Harry Potter every Christmas. Totally. What's the cutest thing? It's like Dobby has like a man crush on Harry. <laughs> oh, man. Dobby comes through for the DA when Marietta snitches. During one DA meeting when everybody is practicing Patronuses, Dobby comes into the room of requirement and his eyes are big and he's shaking. Harry Potter, sir, Dobby has come to warn you, but the house elves have been warned not to tell. It's no surprise that Dobby makes a run for the wall to punish himself. 
Harry has experience with this and tries to grab him, but before he can, Dobby just bounces off the wall because he's wearing so many hats so he doesn't even get hurt. It's basically like a big cushion. Harry asks Dobby what's happening and when Dobby says she, Harry starts to freak out and asks if he's talking about Umbridge and Dobby nods. What about her, Dobby? She hasn't found out about this, about us, about the DA? He read the answer in the elf's stricken face. His hands held fast by Harry, the elf tried to kick himself and sank to his knees. Is she coming? Harry asked quietly. Dobby let out a howl. Yes, Harry Potter, yes! So Harry tells everybody to run. He scoops up Dobby and makes her run for the door as well. Dobby, this is in order. Get back down to the kitchen with the other elves. And if she asks you whether you warned me, lie and say no, said Harry. And I forbid you to hurt yourself, he added, dropping the elf as he made it over the threshold at last and slamming the door behind him. Thank you, Harry Potter, squeaked the elf, and he shrieked off. This part shows so much bravery with Dobby. He basically disobeyed Umbridge, who was terrorizing the entire school, to warn Harry. And I love how brave he is. I love how loyal he is. And he literally saved all of them. And I love it. I also find it interesting here that Dobby chooses whose orders he obeys. So when Harry gives him orders when they're leaving, Dobby chooses to follow those. And I think that comes with him being a free elf, which I think is pretty cool. In Half-Blood Prince, Harry is absolutely obsessed to know what Draco is doing. And after that Quidditch match where Cormac McClagan straight up blasts Harry in the head with his beater's bat, Harry lands in the hospital wing with Ron. He was still there recovering from the poison mead. Harry might have had his skull cracked, but his brain is still working because he comes up with the idea to have Creature tail Draco. So he summons Creature by calling his name, and wouldn't you know, Dobby comes too. There's a loud crack, and the sounds of squeaking and scuttling fill the room. Harry quickly points his wand at Madame Pumphrey's office door and says, Muffliato. Dobby and Creature are rolling around on the ground, literally beating the hell out of each other, and then there's another loud crack, and Peeves turns up, and this is hands down my favorite Peeves part in the entire series. I was watching that potty, he told Harry indignantly, pointing at the fight below before letting out a loud cackle. Look at the ickle creature squabbling! Bitey bitey! Punchy punchy! <laughs> Dobby's super mad because apparently Creature was saying bad things about Harry and Dobby doesn't go for that. So he basically tells Creature to close his mouth or he'll shut it for him. Like Dobby didn't come to play. And Peeves is still egging them on. He says kicky scratchy and he's pelting the elves with bits of chalk and then he's like tweaky pokey. Creature says that he can say whatever he likes about his master and he goes off about Harry being a filthy friend of Mudbloods and Dobby is like super mad at this point and basically just straight up punches Creature in the face and knocks out half his teeth. I just think it's funny how Creature speaks about Harry freely and talks about how much he doesn't like him, but Dobby couldn't do that when he was under the Malfoy's control. That's a really good point. I mean, like, Creature doesn't start beating himself up. Well, because Harry didn't give Creature the order to punish him if he spoke ill of him. Which, come on, Harry should have, but Harry isn't abusive like the Malfoy's. Well, also, even when 
Sirius was Creature's master. He didn't have Creature punish himself. Like, it was more get out of the kitchen or leave me alone sort of deal because they just didn't want to hear him talking to himself. And also, like, what's really funny is I picture Creature as, like, this old, like, this really old house elf. And the fact that he still has, like, some movement left in him and he's fighting Dobby is just pretty funny. But I also think it shows Dobby's Gryffindor here because you know how Gryffindors are kind of impulsive? And Dobby's like, this is an impulse. I'm just going to beat the crap out of you. Like, this is fine. No big deal. And Harry's just like, what in the heck is going on? Like, here he is lying in a hospital bed and these two are fighting each other. They could just end up in the hospital too. And Peeves isn't helping matters because he's still like chanting as if this is like a wrestling mask or something stick your fingers up his nosies draw his cork and pull his earsies harry is done with peeves right now and wants to shut him up so he points his wand at him and says a langlock this glues peeves's tongue to the roof of his mouth peeves tries to say something and he's making obscene gestures as he sweeps away but obviously no words come out that's hilarious This just hands down adds to the comedy of this whole scene. I love it. So at this point, Harry and Ron are like done with the fighting. So Ron's got hold of Dobby and Harry has Screecher. This is what Harry says. Right, I'm forbidding you to fight each other. Well, Creature, you're forbidden to fight Dobby. Dobby, I know I'm not allowed to give you orders. Dobby is a free house elf, and he can obey anyone he likes, and Dobby will do whatever Harry Potter wants him to do. Harry and Ron let the house elves go, and they don't fight each other, thank God. Harry tells Creature he has a job for him to do, and Dobby pipes up, saying that he wants to help too. Harry thinks it might be a good idea to have both of them help, so he explains the whole situation about how he wants them to tail Draco Malfoy. Harry makes sure not to leave any loopholes so Creature doesn't help out Draco instead. Also, Dobby says that if he does it wrong, he'd throw himself off the highest tower. Which, come on, is a bit extreme. Harry tells him not to do this, but this just shows how loyal he really is. Yeah, and it's kind of foreshadowing because he's like, oh, I'm going to risk my life for you. And then later, he does. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny because Harry makes him promise that he'll never save his life again. And then he does exactly that. This is true. Harry then tells them that he wants regular reports and they're only to turn up when he's alone or with Ron and Hermione. Then he tells them to stick to Malfoy like a couple of wart plasters. What is a wart plaster? Is that like, it was like a leech or something? I have no idea, but it's really funny. (laughs) It sounds gross. So one night when the Golden Trio is in the Gryffindor common room, Creature and Dobby turn up for their report. Creature shows up first, apparently without Dobby, and Dobby closely follows, and he's not happy about this. Dobby has been helping too, he squeaked, casting Creature a resentful look. And Creature ought to tell Dobby when he is coming to see Harry Potter, so they can make the reports together. I love this because, first of all, Dobby's the one who straight up knocked Creature's teeth out, and Creature wants nothing to do with Dobby, but at the same time, Dobby's all for teamwork, and he wants to work together with Creature. He reminds me of that sibling relationship where the younger sister loves the older brother so much, and the older brother's like, ah, go away. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Hermione is low-key super pissed off because she didn't know about this whole plan. 
And she gets even more mad when Creature says that he's been following Draco night and day and Dobby hasn't slept for a week. Harry covers his butt by saying that Dobby can sleep and then asks them if they found anything out. Creature goes off and starts to praise Draco and says super irrelevant stuff until Dobby cuts him off and says that Draco Malfoy is a bad boy. Draco Malfoy is a bad boy. That could be a perfect song title. Draco Malfoy is a bad boy. Please make that a song. It will be coming to your ears near you in the next like week or so. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally write it just for you guys. This whole thing just shows how twisted a creature is because he's like, oh, these purebloods are so great. And Dobby's like, what is great about this guy? He sucks. Sadly, though, Dobby spoke ill of Draco, so he tries to run and, like, throw himself into the fire. But luckily, Harry stops him from going into the flames. This is so sad. We talked about it a million times already, but it's, like, what? Four books later? Yeah, four books later and he's still punishing himself that just shows like how deep this abuse ran it really does and the flames must really hurt like really bad it's not like using flu parter right he's not going to come out on the other side of anything he might just stand there and like it's kind of a gory picture fire is one of the worst ways you know one of the worst pains you can experience is getting burned yeah so luckily harry stopped him Dobby tells off Creature some more, and Harry stands in solidarity with Dobby, telling Creature that they don't need to hear about how he's in love with Malfoy, which is so funny. And then Creature goes off about some nonsense some more. Harry cuts him off and asks Dobby what he found out. Harry Potter, sir, squeaked Dobby, his great orb-like eyes shining in the firelight. The Malfoy boy is breaking no rules that Dobby can discover, but he is still keen to avoid detection. He has been making regular visits to the seventh floor with a variety of students who keep watch for him while he enters. And now Harry has what I like to call a brain blast and he's like, the room of requirement, and he smacks himself on the forehead with advanced potion making. This is the second time Dobby brought up the room of requirement. He's the one who first told him about it. So it's nuts to me that Harry didn't use his brain for once and was like, oh, if Draco's, like, disappearing, what if it's a room of requirement? But Dobby comes through for him again. Harry tells Dobby that he's done brilliantly and to go get some sleep, and Dobby thanks him and disapparates. And that is the end of Dobby and Half-Blood Prince. I like to add how it's really funny that Harry first gives Creature these orders to follow Malfoy, and Dobby follows along, but then when it all comes down to it, Dobby's the one who reports and not Creature because Creature sucks. So he really should have just only asked Dobby, but it makes it even more comical because you see the elves and their two different points of view on things, which is like night and day. It's so funny because Creature like is saying normal stuff like, oh, he's been going to the Great Hall. He's been going to classes. So he's not necessarily disobeying because he's saying what Draco's doing, but he's completely dodging like what Harry actually wants to know. This brings us to Deathly Hallows. In chapter 23, which is called Malfoy Manor, Harry, Ron, Luna, Dean, and Ollivander are in the cellar of Malfoy Manor. Harry is searching desperately for a way to break them out of this very, very bad situation. So he's pulling everything he can out of his mauve skin pouch and he 
pulls out the shard of Sirius's mirror and sees a blue eye. And he yells, help us, we're in the cellar of Malfoy Manor. This is also really kind of creepy here because Harry thinks that this is Dumbledore's eye, but Dumbledore's dead. And so he's like, well, I don't know who it is, but hopefully they'll help us. Yes, and we find out later that it's Aberforth, and this is how Dobby's able to find them in the cellar. So Draco has been sent downstairs to retrieve Griphook, and he takes Griphook upstairs. And right as the door closes, this is when Dobby apparates into the cellar. Poor Dobby, she's quaking in his boots because he is back in the place where he was tormented for so many years. But he still is there to help Harry. So Harry tells him to take Luna, Ollivander, and Dean, and then to come back for the rest of them. So Dobby disapparates, and Ron and Harry race upstairs. Dobby unscrews the chandelier and drops it to create even more commotion. And then he walks in all nonchalant and disarms Narcissa with his own magic. Yeah, this part is super significant here because... Dobby gains confidence, right? He comes back into the house of his old masters, scared out of his wits, but then he's like, you know what? They're not my masters anymore. I'm going to be confident. I'm here with my friends. This isn't like last time. So he comes back and he drops that chandelier, which is also huge comic relief because let's face it, we don't like Bellatrix. And he's swaggering in there it's hysterical. He's like, yeah, I'm here. It's all good. Like, I'm going to disarm my mistress. You know, I'm more powerful than she is. Whatever. I think it's really important to note here how we talked about earlier about his magic because witches and wizards can't do magic without a wand. And here Dobby is performing powerful magic without a wand. And Bellatrix even says, how dare you use magic against a witch? How dare you disarm your master? And Dobby says, I'm a free elf. I don't have a master. And I've come to help Harry. He grabs Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and Griphook, and disapparates. And they wind up at Shell Cottage. Harry's just breathing a sigh of relief, just happy that they have just escaped a terrible fate. And then Harry notices that Dobby's standing a few feet away. And him and Dobby both glance down to see the silver hilt of Bellatrix's knife sticking out of Dobby's chest. I think it's really significant here that Dobby was stabbed and he was still able to disapparate them and get them safely to Shell Cottage. It's almost like one last final burst of strength to save Harry, which is what he's been trying to do all along. And this is just absolutely heartbreaking. This is one of the deaths that hit me the hardest. It hit me the hardest, definitely. Harry catches Dobby as he falls and lays him sideways on the grass and he's begging Dobby not to go. And Dobby has the strength just to say two more words before he passes, and they are Harry Potter. Which are the first two words he said to Harry, so it comes full circle. Exactly. Also, if you read the description in the books, Dobby's death is actually really peaceful. He fulfilled his mission to save Harry Potter, and in doing so, he's able to pass on peacefully. He also fulfilled his desire to become a free elf, and he had a good life after that. It wasn't as long as we would like it to be, but at least he had a good last couple years. He really did. Poor Dobby. Also, if you think about it too, when the Malfoys were Dobby's masters, Dobby wasn't able to save Harry. But when he became free, he was able to do that. That's a really good point because while he was under the control of the Malfoys, he did try to save Harry, as you pointed out. 
but those attempts failed because even though he was doing what he wanted to do, he was still kind of tied to the will that they wanted, so it backfired every time. Now we go into chapter 24, which is titled The Wand Maker. Harry's gazing on Dobby's body, and he's just reflecting on Dumbledore's death, and he wishes that he could give Dobby a funeral that was as grand as Dumbledore's. The others have come outside, and Harry tells them that he would like to bury Dobby, but with no magic. And this is just beautiful because this is, you know, he's he's taking time and work to show his gratitude for the elf. So he digs the grave and lays Dobby in it. And toward the end, Luna and Dean and Ron and Hermione come out and help complete the grave with Harry. Luna says that they should say some words and this is one of my favorite Luna moments because this really shows her love and compassion. She says, thank you for saving me from that cellar. It's so unfair that you had to die when you were so brave and good. I'll never forget what you did for us. I hope you're happy now. And she gently closes Dobby's eyes to make it appear as if he is sleeping. Shout out to Luna. She's one of the nicest people And by closing Dobby's eyes, it looks like he's sleeping. It looks like he's dreaming and in a better place. And maybe elf heaven is a dream. Maybe he's frolicking along with some really great elves and they all have different clothes on and they're all telling stories about their past masters. So maybe he is happy. And the fact that he's being buried at Shell Cottage, I mean, that place is so beautiful. It really is a testament that Dobby was able to land here. And to be in a beautiful place and he deserves to be buried in a beautiful place. I love how Harry recognizes that too because it's almost like peace for him too because if Dobby would have died somewhere terrible and didn't have the burial that he got it wouldn't have been closure for Harry either. So since they had such an amazing relationship him being buried at such a beautiful place where Harry knows he'll be at peace is a great thing for Harry to have too. And it's beautiful because Harry wraps him up in his jacket, then Ron takes his shoes and socks off and puts them on Dobby, and Dean even conjures a hat to place over Dobby. He's buried wearing clothes. Not just any clothes, he's being buried in wizard's clothes. He's getting the funeral that a wizard deserves and more than that he's getting a funeral that a soldier deserves when soldiers die in battle the best thing you can do for a comrade like that is to dig their grave in respect for them and the sacrifices that they made and harry did that and dobby definitely is a fighter i would say out of all the characters in these books he's probably one of the most brave one of the most loyal going out of his way to do good And so it's such a beautiful thing that he got the burial that he deserved. Right, and like, some wizards might not have even come to rescue Harry. Dobby's braver than other wizards. Right. And this is very significant because Harry needs a few moments alone just to wish Dobby goodbye. And he picks up a large stone and carves the words, Here lives Dobby, a free elf, and places that over the grave. It's very symbolic here because, like I said when I was talking about soldiers, that stone is almost like a flag. Dobby is here, Dobby is free. He's an example to all of Elfkind, and here he lays. And Dobby can also be a symbol of change and 
being a strong individual and unique because he totally did things that house elves don't do. Paid work, wear clothes, be loyal to whoever he wants to be. And I feel like his character can really show that house elves don't always have to follow the rules and be just simply slaves, but they can have strong personalities and be brave and change people's lives the way Dobby did. Like you said, it's a very beautiful place. He's lying between two bushes and flowers are blooming, will bloom on his grave in the spring. Even Luna later is seen arranging some lavender next to his headstone. It's a very beautiful, peaceful place for him to be laid to rest. Yeah, and this might be one of the first times that a house elf was paid this much respect. Exactly. Definitely. I'm really happy that I was able to have this discussion with both of you today because on first read of the series, Dobby's just a minor character, some people pass him by, but when you really look into the books more closely, you realize that Dobby is a major character. The series would have ended much differently if Dobby hadn't been involved. Very true. He was huge in the plot. Before we go, I'd like to ask you both, if you had Dobby as your house elf, what would you guys do? I would most definitely love to keep him more as a companion than anything. I'd dress him up in little clothes. I would just ask him to do things for me, never actually like make him do anything. But I'd be like, Dobby, go get my coffee, please. Or like, hey, Dobby, I'm going to the store. You want to accompany me? And he would just be a great person to talk to and just have a good laugh with. And I'd never feel lonely with him. So that's what I would use him for. Just having a friend and a companion. I could totally see you having little tea parties with Dobby and being like, okay, Dobby, we're going to have a little runway show. You're going to wear this today or this today or this today. Exactly. He'd be like my living Barbie doll. (laughs) I bet you would give him matching clothes, though. Yes, I would. (laughs) So for me, I agree with you, Maddie. I would love to have Dobby as a companion, especially if I'm traveling across the world. I would love to always have someone to vacation with. And to be like, hey, do you want to come along? Do you want to explore? And it would be really fun to teach him new skills. So like if I went to a pottery class, he could come with me and we could show each other our artwork and stuff like that. That would be really cool. What about you, Demi? First of all, I teach him how to play guitar and piano. I would teach him how to sing. He'd be my little like backup singer. (laughs) I would also keep him as a companion and have him do many things for me when I'm super lazy. Like when I don't want to get out of bed in the morning, I'll be like, can you get me water? Can you get my phone? I don't want to move. But I never force him to do anything. And I feel like above anything else, like he'd be so nice to have around just as a friend. Somebody to confide in and talk to. And yeah, I would just love to have him around to spend time with him. So that brings us to the end of another episode. Maddie, how did you like being our guest? This was a huge honor and just treat. Dobby is definitely my most favorite character. And I loved getting to discuss this with you guys because not very many people are as passionate about Harry Potter as I am. So getting to dive so deep into his character and do so much analyzing was really just wonderful. And I had an absolutely wonderful time. So thank y'all so much for this. Thank you so much. We'll definitely have you on for another episode. Demi, do you want to tell everybody when the next episode comes out? Our next episode comes out on October 30th. It's a spooky one, so stay tuned for that. Thank you guys again for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this chapter of the Half-Blood Princesses, a Harry Potter podcast. Hedwood's theme and leaving Hogwarts in this episode were originally composed by John Williams and arranged by me. Until next time, mark this page with a magical bookmark. Thank you.